Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? It's been a while. We have been on our summer break and I know a lot of you are still enjoying the sunshine out there. Although also there are those of you who are in the winter months. So whatever you're doing, I really hope that you are getting time to enjoy those moments that really make life worth living. And in the end, life is all about moments and memories. It's these beautiful chances to share with other people these special moments that we can truly say that we have lived and loved. Now, all of us have in our lives, at some point, I believe, experienced joy and laughter, tears, happiness, loneliness and love. And this, I think, is something that as human beings, we all share equally. What is important is that no matter how dark it gets, we have to remember that we are the light. We are the ones who carry the torch of beauty and wonderment in this world. Now, I am absolutely delighted today to welcome my very special guest, who is the lovely Dr. Eleanor Opdebeck. Dr. Eleanor is a vet, conservationist, plant-based chef, world traveller and author. She has travelled the world to collaborate and take part in various conservation projects from curing wounded zebras, helping lions and working with rhinos. Yes, incredible, really. She has also worked with an anti-poaching team, which is actually fighting against rhino poaching, and that is based in South Africa. Her life and work is vast and varied. Her latest book, called The Year I Went Wild, tells the story of how she went from being a vet surgeon, running a practice to leaving her practice and having a bout of massive depression to wanting, sadly, to end her life. But luckily, she was a survivor and is a survivor. And 
within that, she became passionate about life. She turned her life completely around and began living the dream by traveling the world, helping people and animals along the way. Today, she shares her incredible story. Welcome, Dr. Eleanor. Well, thank you. What an introduction. I don't know if I deserve it. How are you, Dr. Eleanor? I'm doing very well and uh, very honored to be um, right now in your show. So thank you very much because I do think you're an incredible woman as well. And I want to always get inspired by amazing women. Oh, so thank you. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> the honor is all mine. I have to say thank you for making the time to come on today and to share your wonderful and completely amazing life story. I mean, my goodness, you know, I have to say out there to the listeners, I have touched upon 0.1% of what um, Eleanor does because it's an absolutely fascinating life. I mean, let's go back to the beginning, Eleanor. How did this all start, this absolutely incredible life of yours? Where does it all begin? Um, well, it began when I was six years of age. That's when I told my dad that I wanted to be a vet. And um, yeah, I will be 48 in about 23 days, literally. And oh. I'm still a vet and loving it <laughs> with a few changes on how I'm practicing. But um, that's how I started um, having lots of animals and abandoned animals, bring them home and uh, causing a lot of headaches for my dad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was always a passion. There was a combination of medicine um, and animals. So obviously vet was, was kind of the, the right way to go. So that's how I started. <laughs> and, and you knew from a, a very early age, because I have a friend of mine and her daughter always wanted to be a vet and we used to say to her why don't you just be a doctor no I want to be a vet and this was since she was about five years old it was something deeply ingrained within her that she was and she is a vet now actually um and yeah. it was deeply ingrained with her you know within her that that is what she wanted to do I think it's important in life children always know what they really want to do don't they deep inside for sure yes mm. Mm. then mm. they get influenced and uh, but if they manage to keep a strong mind and and focus then obviously um you know you follow your instinct and and kids know better so um i i had it very clear when i was since i was little so um and uh, well i'm here to prove it so <laughs> and and my goodness lions and zebras and rhinos and all sorts yeah. of things. Now, so you started off as a vet with, is it domestic animals, with small animals? Yes. Um, how I started, obviously, I did university. Um, and then I, in my last years, I got really obsessed. I've always been in love with water. I've got a special attraction for water, I guess, because I'm my horoscope is cancer. I don't know if you believe in this, but I guess I do. Too many things are, are, I don't believe in coincidence. And and I'm just drawn to water like crazy. And uh, in my last years of uh, 
as a vet student, I became obsessed with marine mammals and, and dolphins and everything. Um, and then I moved, I found in the Canary Islands, I found uh, there was a, doc, uh, well, a, a vet, a teacher specialized in marine mammals. And I'm like, okay, I'm going there. So I just moved everything. Um, I was studying in Belgium. Uh, vet school and then I went to the Canary Islands to meet this person and then I became an intern in um, in so um, pathology to to learn about uh, you know the, they were doing stranding studying the the death of uh, marine mammals the reason the causes of death and doing uh, uh, autopsies which you call necropsies in in vet medicine and it was very excited. And then I got the chance. This is me because I talk a lot. And sometimes it does bring good things. <laughs> there was a congress, um, uh, a congress coming on, so a conference of uh, marine mammal medicine. And the head vet, back in the day, the head vet of SeaWorld in San Diego was coming to give a talk. And I'm like, this is my opportunity and I'm not going to miss it. And I, in the, obviously in the break of the Congress, I just took advantage. I, I just grabbed and I just started pouring him with questions. And he just literally invited me to become an intern in SeaWorld in San Diego. So I finished my studies. I did my internship and it was, I was, and this is all in the book, but it's both, I had both heartbroken and fascinated at the same time, heartbroken, because then I saw the reality of what captivity was. And mm. I got a bit disappointed, like, okay, I, I love marine mammals, but I do not want to be a vet of animals in captivity. I don't want to be part of this. Um, and uh, they did have a rescue center as well. And so I was most of the time spending my time there. And I think this is where it started, my love for more wildlife and more rescue uh, animals uh, in the wild. No, the the most needed, uh, basically. So after that, I decided to um, go into clinic, as in to get more experience, as in you know anesthesia and surgery and internal medicine. And up to a point, well, I had my own clinic uh, practice, and it was a big disappointment. It's disappointing. Sorry, it. I did not think it was going to be that hard um little money um lots of hours after hours uh exhausted on my own um and this is how i started having this big depression and not knowing what to do um i was stuck like all this effort for this it, it's not it's not what i thought it was going to be um i don't know if you want me to stop because i <laughs> Not at all, not at all. No, 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 you go ahead. <laughs> so basically, in the meantime, as to try to stimulate myself a bit more, I became a volunteer in a marine mammal rescue center here in, in so southern Spain, not far away from where I had my clinic. I did also some, I was uh, during lunchtimes, um, helping in a, a dog and cat rescue center. So really more involved in the rescue part of it. And I was that's really what I wanted to do. Uh, I realized that that was, yeah, that was motivating me again. Um, and then on the other hand, when I sold my practice and I saw that the rescue centers were not employing, it was very difficult money-wise and I needed money, uh, my passion for cooking 
just you know appeared i started cooking for friends on weekends and they said you should do this more often you you're really talented you know i was getting this this amazing feedback from my friends and family and then i took a break after vet medicine um so the last year with my massive depression i had a very bad and scary thought and i was planning with the morphine that I had in my own practice, how easy it would be to just let everything go. Um, I Obviously, it's very easy for, for vets because I had it there available. I was just, you know, I had to just calculate for a human dose how much I had to, to put myself to fall asleep and not get up. And luckily, um, I fell asleep in my, I was in the hospital area of my clinic. I started crying. Just the thought of it just scared me. I started cry- crying like crazy and I woke up the next morning very cold with a massive headache and realizing what I, you know, what I was thinking about. And luckily, I must have had an angel. I don't know what happened, but luckily I did not take that route. Um, I was very lucky that I could sell the clinic and I went traveling and started cooking and went into nutrition. My health was not great because of the depression and I was eating very bad, basically comfort eating. And that's how I started eating more plants. I was healing so much, I was feeling so much better. And then the gut mind, uh, you know, the gut mind connection and getting more into vegans and plant-based getting really excited about it and I thought well maybe cooking is my is my passion you know I was just trying to figure out what to do with my life I wanted to be happy again and 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 I don't know um and then I went into um MasterChef Spanish the third edition of MasterChef in Spain um I did not last long I have to admit but at least I I did make it until the first program (laughs) well done Um, (laughs) <laughs> it was fun it was fun but at the end of the day it's a tv show so it's you know unless you can put a great show then you stay at least for the first programs obviously at the end of the program they do take into account how good or bad you are as a cook but in the beginning it, it's it's basically the show um but anyway um so after that obviously i was I was doing congresses, I was doing uh, speeches in this role in Spain about nutrition, about the environment, about needing to be more plant-based, but I was somehow missing vet medicine. Um, and at the end of the day, to make a bit of a long story short, because otherwise I'm going to be taking all the, all the, it's going to become a monologue and I don't want this to be that way, nor do you, I don't think. <laughs> Feel free to um, say whatever you want to say. I yeah so I went to um I did go to London to do a bit uh of locum work as a vet vet surgeon so I was coming little by little back to to being a vet surgeon but again not overly excited and then I started to do conservation work traveling to South Africa um as a volunteer and I said this is it this is what I want to do and then somehow through the years, I managed to combine my two passions, which is healthy eating, cooking, and animals and, and medicine. And it's basically me being uh, into food safety. So trying to make sure that there's animal welfare, that there's that food that we're eating 
is safe and healthy and at the same time conservation so eating more plants and reducing our meat intake to obviously um, fight against climate change and obviously all the animal suffering and and i finally finally was able to combine everything together and this is basically my life now so wow yeah i leave it i leave it here so that you can talk a bit because <laughs> Now, I said I talk a lot. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good to talk a lot. It, that's the whole point. <laughs> People think, oh, I talk so much on the show. That is the point, to talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, but it needs um, to be more, you know, what I mean, like not a monologue, but just, just a, a friendly conversation. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And I want to go back because I know a lot of people, Eleanor, have, problems with depression and people do feel um a lot especially in these times which when you think about it we should be really rejoicing that we are here in these times but unfortunately due to so many things and so many factors out there which are countless People are more depressed. People are suffering more mentally. And although it's good that people are talking openly about it, there's still a stigma attached, I feel, to people talking openly. And I think that is what's needed um, for sure. And what interests me is that you had, in a way, that moment you know, that epiphany where the realization that you were not happy, the depth of that unhappiness that brought you to the brink of death. But also there was this spirit, this fighting spirit within you that managed quite incredibly to turn it all around. Yes. What was that pivot point, do you think, that changed? Because I think that's important for people out there to know that even if they are in the depths, we'll go into all the other things that you've done, but I think this is important. It's an important point that someone so successful as yourself who had her own clinic and who was a vet, a surgeon, a doctor, and had that moment of crisis what turned that around that made you want to actually live? Well, I can obviously not generalize and talk about my uh, situation and my experience. And what I can remember, obviously, our mind is very selective. So everything that's trauma, we try to hide it or not re- relive it. But as far as I can remember from that moment, and it was mm. a very, very... Well, that moment will never disappear. I can tell you that where I was feeling this cold. um, I was really, really afraid of my own thoughts. And being afraid, I think, is what saved me. Um, I seeked help, help. And I think this is number one. Uh, Depression, as you may know, uh, is a very solitary condition 
we tend to hide we tend to not be with people i was very i was an introvert i'm still a, i still am i get overwhelmed if i'm big groups of people um but nevertheless we tend to with depression isolate ourselves even more because we don't want to bother people people don't understand uh or we think they don't understand um and and that's the worst thing that you can do is isolate so i first of all seeked help from a psychologist uh she was amazing by the way uh, i have to say that as well not everyone can help you in the sense of the the person that helps you you have to be able to trust and that person needs to know how to handle you because depression is a serious thing and people underestimate that so much it's scary um I felt comfortable enough to open up to this person. And I think that helped a lot as well. Uh, but the pivot point for me, I think, is that I really, really got scared. I really, really got scared. And I think that helped me personally. Yes, it's uh, and that different it's for everyone. It's different for yes. everyone. But the fear yes. is can sometimes be a different detriment in life yeah. but also it's a double-edged sword I think sometimes because it can also be a great motivator yes and yeah I suppose the trick is to be able to use that sword in a way to your advantage to cut through all of those fears and insecurities and the shadows of life. Yeah. I think. And how you were able to turn your life around, how long did that take for you to be able to get from the point where you were not happy in your job to be living the dream of doing the conservation um, work? Was that a gradual process or is that something that in that moment you decided that is how you were going to live your life? No, it was definitely, uh, it, it took a while. Obviously it was mm. uh, gradually. Um, first thing was selling my clinic. So getting rid of the things that were actually causing the depression. Obviously depression is deeper. It's not, I'm not going to say the clinic was the main reason. It was mm. a trigger factor. Um, so there was more things within me. So my mom, um, who passed away four years ago, uh, she was an alcoholic. And obviously those childhood traumas that you have and that you more or less, some people deal better, other people less. Uh, I'm always, I've always been a very sensitive child. And I think that uh, obviously that affected me a lot. Um, and going back to obviously vet medicine as well, why maybe I chose animals is because animals were always there for me. Always with a wagging tail. When I was crying, they would come to me. And I didn't think people were that kind. I didn't feel it that way. And animals were always there giving me all the love without expecting anything back. And I think animals as well did save me, as in the massive depressions there was always there an animal that i could hug and would happily take my hug and kiss me and 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 you know 
and wag the tail and always be happy to see me. I felt important for animals. And um, I kind of owe it to them to still be alive and save them, <laughs> basically. I don't want to get emotional, but it, it is, it's, it's how I feel. Um, and then what I did, I managed to sell the clinic. Obviously, I, I lowered the price as much as possible because number one aim was sell the practice. I don't care if I don't make any money. I just need to get rid of this before it gets rid of me. And then I took four years traveling and doing other jobs unrelated to vet medicine because I really needed a break. It took me four years before I went back to vet medicine that I was able to handle it without having bad memories of, of the, the trauma I went through in my own practice. And that's when I did nutrition. I focused on myself, on taking care of myself, the psychologist, uh, plant-based foods. Uh, and I went to Munich. I started working there. I wanted to learn German. So I wanted to, to obviously the best thing to do is go to the country to learn the language. So I went to Munich, to Germany, and uh, I was working in, in um, uh, well, in, in, in food, in uh, everything related to food and I wasn't earning much, but I was doing like, first it was in a cafeteria, I was just serving coffees and I was the happiest person on earth, which is weird, but it was not stimulating, brain stimulating, but that was the beauty of it. I did not have to stress about animal diseases, about clients complaining about money, about emergencies, about me having to save, all the pressure was not there. It was just serving coffee with a smile. That's it. And that was great at the moment. Uh, and, and that's what I've done for four years, like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. That's when I and, uh, went into MasterChef, uh, did a lot of cooking, went to congresses, just took care of myself and see, OK, what do I want? And then gradually I was ready to go back into vet medicine and then did uh, locum work. And also why locum is because I could take jobs for maybe a week or two to test the, you know, to test the water, see if I can handle it. Yes, I can handle it. Okay. And then, you know, not like a permanent contract. We have to be there every day. Um, so locum work was great and I was okay doing that. And then I took some time off and then when uh, I started traveling, doing conservation work and that's how it really started. And this is actually, actually thanks to my ex. So when I went to London, uh, I was, I was living with my then partner and uh, he kind of stood me up twice to go on vacation and because of work. But last minute, he just told me, no, the relationship obviously wasn't going great. This is the main reason. Um, so the third time I said, OK, I'm going I'm going to travel on my own. Where could I go? Uh, I would like to go somewhere I can meet people, but, you know, travel, do some nature work. And then that's how I started volunteering. That was my very first time volunteering. And that was the beginning of the conservation, of my conservation work. And I was so fascinated by it. Um, that's how it really started. So one chapter of my book is my volunteering so starting volunteering thanks to my ex <laughs> so i'm thanking him after. there's always a positive there's always something positive coming out of something bad i always try to look yeah. at the, what can you learn what did you learn so i have to thank him even though you know we didn't get along at the end it was not meant to be clearly um 
but thanks to him, I started my conservation work. So I'm forever grateful to him, even though he, he doesn't know. I don't know if he bought the book or not. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> he might listen so, to this podcast and know now. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did listen to the other podcast. He knows that I published a book and I don't know if he bought it or not. <laughs> but hey, there you go. <laughs> A cloud, you know, what do they say? A silver lining in every uh, in every cloud. Sometimes it's not so yeah. easy to see, is it, Eleanor? It's um, a little bit difficult, even with glasses on. But ultimately, yeah. it is there. Yeah, yeah, life is a funny old thing. You know, sometimes we think we're going in one direction. We meet people. We think it's for one reason. And then we realize it's for something completely different. And Sometimes we don't even realize until they are out of our lives. Yes. And, and I totally then after agree that, with you. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. No, Sorry I was interrupt. going to say, um, I totally agree with you. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it was after obviously with the pain of, of breaking up and everything um, and, and you're, you're past that, then afterwards you're able to look back and now I'm forever grateful. You know, I wish him well and um, I just, yeah, I, I have to thank him. That's, that's all I can say. It's, it's thanks to, uh, to him that I started. Maybe I could have started another way, but in my situation, I started because he did not want to travel with me and he stood me up twice. I'm like, okay, well, I need to look for something to do. I want people around. I want to explore nature. And then I saw this volunteering opportunity in South Africa. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. It's uh, it's going to be lovely. And it was amazing. It was not lovely. It was amazing. I was like, oh, God, I want to do this. So, uh, yeah, I came back like um, he was a How bit annoyed. How long did you do it for? Well, this was. Just, and what did you do then? Yeah, so this was just a two-week program, uh, mm -hmm. vet program, um, learning basically learning the basic skills. Um, so that was my first, uh, say that the how can you say I touched base there for the first time, mm. and then um, I came back fascinated, and I did a bit more locum work. In the meantime, my mom got really sick, uh, diagnosed with cancer. And then obviously I was taking care of that. And then uh, relationship obviously was even worse. Uh, my mom passed away. And that was also a turning point where I said, okay, life is too short. My mom died. She was pretty young, uh, 67. It was also a bit of a life telling me, like, stop wasting your time and start doing what you want to do now. And that's what I did. I did a bit of uh, holistic medicine as well. I was doing Chinese medicine when I was doing a locum, locum work in London. But then in, in Holland, where I was uh, in the Netherlands, where I was um, practicing as a holistic vet after London and breaking up with my ex, um, I started into conservation. That's when Planet Animal Docs started, the, uh, so the company. The next trip I went to Maldives and and on and on and on. So what I do basically, what I've been doing is I take part in the conservation projects, but I 
also get the content. So I go there, make sure the projects are uh, obviously within the, the animal welfare standards. They're doing what they say they are, because sometimes mm -hmm. you have these projects, for example, in Thailand, where they say take care of elephants and then they allow you to ride them. Well, that's not animal welfare that's against it. So I'm not going to take part or, you know, uh, create awareness. I'm not going to help those projects. Mm. So I would go first myself, check that everything is okay and it's all true. And I obviously, I help out. So the money I would make as a locum vet, I would spend it in these travels and conservation projects. And it, it, I was just loving it. And uh, and making amazing friends along the way. And uh, you name it, Costa Rica, Maldives, Fiji, um, South Africa, Zanzibar. Oh, this um, sounds, it sounds know. absolutely incredible. Yes. And was and, your and heart this... joyful at this Sorry? point? Sorry? Was your heart joyful at this point? Yes. Because this was the life that you were living Yes, it was. That's I was the happiest person on earth. That's what I wanted to do, and I've, I'm, I am so grateful and so amazed of this beautiful planet we have, and the amazing people that you know that you meet. Sorry, doing these things and the animals and the experience. I mean, I've been swimming next to whale sharks, to manta rays. Uh, with in Bora Bora with hundreds and hundreds of black tip reef sharks um, touching a rhino, drilling a rhino horn to put a microchip to, you know, to keep track of it. Uh, you name it. And it's especially the rhino. I never forget. I'm touching it. I don't know if you've seen the first Jurassic Park. Have you seen? No, I haven't. One? No, no, I haven't seen any okay, of them. Well, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, well, I love them. I'm, I have to see the the last one. I love them, I have to say. <laughs> so there's this image of the first Jurassic Park where the biologist is literally seeing they're in the Jurassic Park and they see this one of these dinosaurs, whatever the name of the dinosaur, which obviously I don't remember. And she goes and touches it and she's like touching it like, wow, you know, a living, I mean, a living dinosaur and I'm touching it. Well, I was exactly feeling the same way as this biologist touching this amazing rhino. Obviously it was darted and sedated, otherwise we cannot be doing that. But I was feeling that same, like, oh my God, I am so grateful to be alive and to be in this situation right now. I am touching this incredible animal and being part, I can't say I'm saving it. I was being part of a team that was doing massive efforts to conserve because as you know, they are, uh, I mean, very, very badly endangered, uh, especially the black rhino, but yeah. um, more reason like, oh, my God, I don't know if I'll ever be able to touch a rhino in my life. This is a unique experience. And it's it's an adrenaline rush that I cannot explain. Same way, like I'm swimming next to a, uh, what is it? Was it five meter whale shark next to you? And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And it's, I'm addicted to adrenaline rushes, I think. <laughs> That's my drug. <laughs> I'm smiling all the way through now as you're telling me your experiences. It's huge. It's miraculous to be given such a gift in life. 
to be able to experience something that is so close to your heart. And I think that is when we all become down, we feel down, is when we're not actually following that calling, that yearning, because we know intrinsically what our heart desires. Yes, absolutely. Um, I read a book called Ikigai. I don't know if you know this Japanese word, Ikigai. And it's basically, no. they've done studies in 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 those, uh, what they call it, blue zones, or I think they call it blue zones, where, you know, the happiest people and the, the people with the longest life, like hundreds and hundreds, and, and um, basically concentrating on the Japanese people and why you know, asking what's the secret of, of living such a joyful and, and long life. Mm-hmm. And the answer basically of what the word stands for, Ikigai, is basically having a purpose in life. And this is the thing with depression as well, because I read a yeah. lot of my psychologist back in the day. She also gave me a lot of books to read to understand what was I going on, what was I going through, sorry. And depression is basically... is. I mean, it's very generalized and obviously I'm not an expert on depression. I can talk for myself, but I think basically it's not having that stimulus, that purpose in life that makes you jump out of bed in the morning and say, I'm happy to be alive because I'm going to be doing this. You need to be busy in life. And I'm not just saying busy. I'm just saying busy with things that really brighten your your day that that inspires you you can feel that and the other important thing is people be surrounded by people that you love and socializing this is also very important um i don't know if you know they said that married couples actually live longer than people that are single i don't this is again very generalized but i think it is true in the sense of we are social beings at the end of the day Mm. Uh, so solitary solitude is a big depression factor. It's, it, it will kill you in, in big terms, obviously. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just, this is what I take out of the readings and my own experience, that it is true that every time I have isolated myself, I go down. And when I surround myself with people that bring me joy and accept me the way I am and they love me, and I love them back, you you live better, you live happier and healthier. That's it's, how I experience it, it. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely true that we are such social beings. There, It takes a huge, I think, resilience to be able to also be on your own, and have that solitude as opposed to loneliness. Because I think we all need solitude because we all have to gather our thoughts. And sometimes, you know, we run away from that. But that is actually where the answers are in that silence. But once we have the answers, we have to do something with that. It's not about just you know, living, I mean, I've seen people living in the mountains and, you know, of Mount Sinai and, you know, they are hermits, but they are 
another story for another day. They are completely on a different level, spiritually, mentally, yeah. physically. This exactly. is something completely different. different. Yeah, it's a different yes, thing. Yeah. And, you know, but if we're yeah. going to talk about everyday people, um, we need that connection indeed. And yeah. depression, you know, there's so many things written about it. But let's talk about life for a moment, just in one momentary episode here where if we're looking to the past and we're looking to the future there are two places where we can't literally step into we are only now on this bridge where we're going from one to the other and if we can completely embrace this moment in its entirety and truly, like yourself, whether that be swimming with the dolphins or with the sharks or dancing in the moonlight, whatever it is, whatever brings joy, I think that's where the answer lies. And it's different for everyone. This is the point. When we start to compare, well, this person is doing this and this person is doing that, it's really irrelevant. It is yes. what actually do you want to do? What is it that stirs your soul? What is it, as you said, that makes you want to get up each morning and go to bed each night knowing, you know what, I've lived today. I haven't just existed, I've lived. Yeah, absolutely. You could not have said it better. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's so important. It's so important. And I agree to have people around you, but I also believe it has to be the right people. Yes. Because if it's people that bring you down, it's really not worth it. And I think that can make mm. your life completely miserable. Yes. Yeah, and I, I agree. I Don't you agree? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I absolutely. No, no, I, especially me, like I mentioned, I, I am an introvert. And when you mentioned about solitude, I meant obviously as feeling alone or feeling lonely. Because as an introvert, I love to be on my own as well. But it gets to a point where, okay, I need to see people. I'm a social being at the end of the day. But it is because, as you mentioned before, of these you know, uh, people in, in the mountains, they they are in a so different state of mind. If you are in a good, stable, healthy, happy state of mind, being on your own can be, it can be refreshing. And it is for me now because I am doing great. Obviously, I have my moments where I stress out, but I have no depression whatsoever. I, I cannot call that depression. Uh, I, I have my moments like we all do. Of, mm. of, of, yeah, of frustration, angry, whatever, because things don't turn always the way we want to, expectations. Um, but it's a beautiful thing to know how to be alone as well. And then choose wisely who, and I do believe in that as well, choose wisely, wisely who you spend your time with because you become what you are surrounded with. 
So this is why, like I mentioned in the beginning, I want to be just, just be surrounded by people that I get stimulated from, that I learn from, that I look up to. I used to be very like jealous when I was younger because obviously I was, I had a lot of complexes. I was very unhappy. I was always looking, you know, the bright side was always the grass is greener, always in the other side. And why me? This and this very, uh, you know. I mean, part of me was really like egocentric, like me, 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 focusing instead of looking outside and looking, wait, stop about focusing about you and look what's around you. And and then when you realize this and you stop comparing and you're you and you accept you and you obviously what you can change to the better. And I've been trying to do that for a very long time and I'm still learning because I still have so much so many things to learn uh, and you know but looking myself as where where can I improve and how can people help me to improve so always surround yourself with good energy good vibes very important because as you say people can bring you down even worse uh, if you don't choose uh, the correct um, companies um, it's very true I'm talking <laughs> No, no, no. I totally agree <laughs> with you, Eleanor, because I think I've shared this story before, but I had a teacher in school and um, I was very young at the time, maybe 10 or 11. And I will never forget her because I wanted to have this prestigious award um, of having a special tie at school you know we had to have a uniform and I wanted to have this because the prestige that came with it was that you were allowed on more school trips and you would be the monitor and you you could sit on a chair in assembly and that was the highlight so and it's something that I really aspired to and I remember the teacher came up to me because my parents had gone to a parent's evening and had said to her that this is my aspiration, 10 or 11. And um, she said that she'd have a word with me. And I was being a monitor that morning. And she came up to me and she said, you know, Mimi, I hear that you want to have this special tie to wear. And I said, yes, because it was only granted to several people and only twice a year. Um, and she said, well, let's just say the company you're keeping isn't very good. I was 10 or 11 and I thought, what on earth does she mean? Because I like my friends. Why can't I be friends with the people I want to be friends with? The point was, they probably, as I found out, didn't really like me and were hindering me. And I had a whole moment of thinking well is this what life is about I remember I was very young but I thought why can't you just be with the people you want to be and then I had a moment where I thought well actually they're not very nice it's me that likes them they're not very nice to me and I changed my friends completely six months later she came up to me and she said let's just say things are looking good you're with the people that you need to be with. And actually, Eleanor, they were lovely. We're still friends now, two of them. So, yes, be around people. Be around the right people who 
stir you, who encourage you, and really let go of everybody who disrespects your soul. Amen. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, I was thinking just now about your eggs. And um, in a way, it was probably your soul that pushed him away. Because it wasn't doing you any good. And your soul needed to move on to the next level. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We we had very little in common and it was just not the right fit for me. I, I can't, I mean, we're all different, but I I felt I was being judged a lot by him. And this was just because we were very different and he would not accept my differences. And yeah, we were just very different with, you know, I... I I don't want to talk anything bad about him. He's he's done. I mean, I, I spent two years with him and he's brought me obviously good things as well. But uh, we were just, yeah, definitely just nothing to do uh, with each other. And I was feeling worse with him than without him because I was feeling very, I was losing confidence. Uh, he did not support me at all for what I was doing Um and being very judgmental at the time. Um, but anyway, so again, I think... It's a chapter. And I think life yeah, is it's a chapter. Chapters. And I think he was there because he needed to be there for me to go into conservation. I honestly think he was... You know, when they say there's people that come for a time, they do their purpose, whatever, and mm -hmm. then they leave Some you know there's again there is a reason for him to have come into my life and I think that was the reason he was there to maybe push me in that direction so yeah do you believe I, I in soul contracts Eleanor well define that please <laughs> well I'm no guru yeah I'm no guru and I'm not a I cannot even claim to be a wise person, but apparently, um, I do believe it actually, that every person we meet, in whatever way we meet and have a connection with for however long, we have a soul contract that we agreed upon before we came here to the earth. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think, why the hell did I sign that? I mean, what was I thinking of getting involved with that person and that project and that, for goodness sake? But the point is, we did agree. I do believe this. I know everyone has their own opinion on this, but it makes sense. Like you say, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Everyone arrives at the destined time to yes. give and to take whatever it is that we both need at that time. Yes, absolutely. And, just, and I don't think we can stay even a moment longer. I have met many wise people, um, a handful, I would say. There's not so many around, but those that I have, you know, one of them mentioned about 
that every breath that you take is actually written how many breaths we're going to live and how many we're going to take, where they're going to be and who they're going to be with. And when that time is over with that person, we cannot be a second longer with them because it would be detrimental. And I truly believe that. Um, And that's why with animals, because I'm a huge lover of animals, and like yourself, they've been some of the greatest friends. And this is what I think is missing now a lot in the world, is that we have lost that ability to feel at one with them. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what is saving me, that I'm an empath. So I suck up all the energy what's around me. And I mean, I have this amazing energy. This, I mean, how can I describe it? I have no words. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a shame. We, we are... We are getting so far away and now with this digital era uh, with all the positive things it may bring it is separating us even more mm-hmm. and it's so damaging it's it's scary uh, or even with the obviously with the covid and everything nobody's hugging and i i understand especially because now i'm more into you know zoonotic diseases infectious diseases i understand the protocols and that we have to do this but now, even now, still, the mentality is I'm not going to hug anymore. You know, it's in it's ingrained now even more. And it's such you a shame because like there's nothing more beautiful. I feel like that. And there's nothing more beautiful than a hug to start off with. And this is the beauty, for example, of Spain. Spanish people are very into kissing and hugging yes. and contact. Yeah. And I... I miss it in other countries, in Belgium or even in the UK, they're more reserved. And this is so, for me, it's very important. Contact is very important. And talking about relationships, I am actually now, and when you, you know, when we talk about people in your life, I am now in a such a beautiful, healthy relationship. And we, we just, I found him in a time where I am so well, and I'm not going to say 100% healed because I'm pretty sure I still have to, it will be a healing until the day I die. But I am in such a good place that I'm able to attract healthy people into my life. I don't know if this makes sense. Yeah, but The yeah, friends I have are all with this beautiful healthy mind and mentality and i'm surrounded by incredibly beautiful human beings and this is this is all i want and i've part of me thinks well maybe i am attracting these kind of people because when i was not in a happy place and i was very negative very defensive i was in very very bad situations and getting angry and people getting angry at me and meeting also a lot of toxic people around me. I felt I was toxic because I was very negative and I was very depressed. And it's so different. It's And all these people that were there before just started, you know, disappearing because I'm healing. So I'm now attracting 
a total different energy around us. And it's it's amazing. And and I'm feeling it now with my partner. We have so much in common. And it's such a beautiful relationship that, again, I'm really grateful. And I want to think that somehow it's because I'm healing and I attracted him into my life because he's a beautiful soul. He's absolutely beautiful and amazing. And uh, he's another nature lover. He's an environmentalist. And uh, he loves the ocean. I mean, he could not be more perfect, basically. <laughs> so, I'm delighted um, to hear that. That yeah. is actually... Yeah. A beautiful, beautiful moment to hear such a thing that there are still souls out there, there are still people out there that can vibrate on the same frequency as ourselves and totally understand our whole being. That is really important. And I think you're you're right in that something had to change within you. Something has to change within us in order to give off a certain vibe, a certain energy, because whatever you're giving out, it's coming back. It's the law of nature. Absolutely. It's as simple yeah. as that. You know, um, I've traveled a lot and I travel a lot and the people I totally understand also when you say oh the Spanish I love the Spanish I lived in Spain for a while and and I love it and they're so open like the Italians and there's something about them you can dance in the street with them and it's absolutely fine um and it's those yeah. people to search out for those people that allow you to be you that give space yes. to your spirit, that uh, give freedom to say, just be. I don't care who you are, what you are, what you look like, what you're doing. Just be free. Yes. 100% agreed. Wonderful. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad that you have somebody now. That's a lovely ending to a story. And hopefully lots of new beginnings with him hopefully. Now, yeah. <laughs> on that note, what are you doing at the moment, Eleanor? So you're in Spain at the moment. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm taking a moment of, uh, well, I'm doing some courses. I will go back to the UK because um, I'm starting a new chapter as an official vet. I'm not leaving aside my other things. But this is to gain as well more experience in um, my master's degree, which is food safety, zoonotic diseases, infectious diseases, because, um, again, this is a new chapter. I'm totally fascinated about uh, what happened and what's happening into the world. And I think I need to learn more. So when I go into my conservation projects, I can broaden my expertise, basically. So it's it's a transition to get more knowledgeable to help even more um, when I do my projects. So it's a transition period right now. Well, obviously Spain is my, my home country. Mm -hmm. um, and then- But you're uh, originally yeah, from Belgium. Yes, yeah, so genetically speaking, if I can say it that way, uh, <laughs> Belgium is the country, yes. 
Okay, <laughs> but but you were you were born in Spain or where were you born? I was. I'm actually Spanish. Yes. Are you? Nationality. Oh, yes, how lovely! How lovely! <laughs> oh, I adore Spain. Yes. And the, oh, the Spanish people so beautiful. My goodness. Um, now you have a book. Tell us a little yes, bit about two the books. book. <laughs> yeah, you have two books. Have you have you published the second book? Yeah. So, but the first one is in Spanish. This was um, because I had a lot of time during my practice. Uh, years. Um, I published my first book in 2011. It's in Spanish. And the reason why they did that one, it's a manual uh, for pet owners, basically for how to deal with emergency situations for their pets. The reason being is because I was doing so many emergencies back in the day, and I was really frustrated because sometimes the animal that would come into the practice if the owner would have known a bit more of what to do at home, I could have, you know, sometimes I was able to save them. Sometimes I wasn't because the animal came too late. And it was really frustrating because sometimes it was things that the owner could have done at home. So I thought about writing this uh, book on how to prevent these things if the pet owners would have a bit more knowledge on what to do to help them out. Uh, so I created this book and I did 2000 copies and they were all sold and I had good reviews. Um, and then the second one, I just published it in last December 2021. And it was basically the story of how I transitioned from being a vet surgeon. Well, you know the story now um, mm -hmm. into more consultation work and being more happy. So how I went from really low to really high and how I did that so it's it's a very raw book I opened myself completely and I was hope I was thinking of writing it a long time ago but I never had the courage because I'm like I'm literally opening myself up but then I thought what the heck I am doing this because people need to know that there is an amazing life out there if you make the best of it and I don't care. I don't care if I'm opening up. I'm doing this. And if I can help someone with my story, then it's a win-win situation. So I had the courage and I published the book. And it's a very raw book where I talk about, well, you know, now the story. So suicide and a bit more things in detail. Um, but obviously with a happy ending. And this is what I want people to to um how do you say to keep in their minds that there's a happy ending but it doesn't go without effort and a lot yeah. of fighting and and this is also with the digital era now we only see these people's success you know succeeding and blah blah but we don't know what's behind the hard work the sleepless nights the hours and this is this image that you know that they sell us and like oh this is easy well no it's not easy to get there there's a massive process of hard work and this is what's missing and my book is basically fighting fighting for what's worth life is so worth it this planet is so worth it but it takes a lot of fighting i 
you know, it, it it's hard work. I'm not going to say, but it's worth it. Mm. You know, mm. and and so yeah, basically that's the. <laughs> and what's the book the, called? The, the year I went wild, and wild being on two ways. So wild because I went into conservation, so wildlife, mm. but also wild in the sense of. I was closed up, not wanting to show myself and it was opening up and traveling and saying yes to everything and being wild as in, I don't care what people think, I'm just going to do it. So be wild, be free. I love it. I absolutely love it. When I saw the title, actually, um, I did think it was a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I thought, oh, this yeah. is going to be, I'm going to get the book. Is it on Kindle as well as paperback? Yes. Is it available in both? Yes. yes I'm going to get is. it in paperback. Um, on Amazon, it's available. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to tell you all about it. Great. It sounds <laughs> fascinating. It sounds fascinating. Really, it does. And oh, my goodness, Eleanor. I am. Oh, I, there are so many things that I could ask you, really, about all the things, the adventures. It really, as you were telling me the adventures that you went on, I was smiling. I thought, wow, what a beautiful way to live one's life. Yes, I have no complaints. <laughs> yeah, miraculous. And I'm it's very, available. very, very lucky. Yeah, and it's available. It's available. It's out there. Life it's, is available. It's, it's you out know. there. And this is the fun thing. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. The funny thing is that people, obviously, when they see my posts, again, um, they think, well, she must be rich. Funny enough, I don't spend a lot of money on these trips. Trust me. It's yes, the travel and but the conservation work and all that. Obviously, it depends what you're looking for. You're looking for a five-star hotel, different story. I live very humbly. I go camping. I go to the cheapest hostel. Hostel. I want to be with the village people. I eat what they eat, local, the fresh markets. Uh, so it really depends what you you expect obviously if you want a high-end you know five-star hotel you have to work harder for it but the beauty is I do not spend as much money as you think I do on these travels to give you an example I last summer I crossed the Pacific on a sailing boat which is one of the things I had in my bucket list oh I have my a bucket list goodness. yes and how long did that take I that took in total 24, well, no, 24 days plus 14 because we went from Panama to the Galapagos and then we did the crossing. So the crossing from Galapagos to French Polynesia, which is the first islands you meet, uh, are, that was 24 days. And mm -hmm. that was free. What I did was I worked as a chef on board. I was a plant-based chef on board. And that was how I, you know, I didn't have to pay anything. I just had to cook and help out with a well, sailing. Well, that's handy. That's it. So I had an amazing trip. 
I visit amazing places. So Panama, Galapagos. Galapagos, we were 10 days. That's again, if you're a conservationist, you have to go once in your lifetime to Galapagos. It's it's a stunning place. And then crossing the Pacific and then to French Polynesia. And French Polynesia, again, what a stunning place. Oh my God, this planet is just so beautiful. It's just too much to do. <laughs> it's, I cannot explain. You have explain to do it. a book with all the photographs of everywhere that you've been. Yeah, because the year I went wild, I did not, that was before um, mm. the crossing. So I didn't put the crossing in there, but um, but yeah, I, I, there's so many books and things I want to write. So the next book right now is is a plant-based book with recipes and how to eat more safely. That's, that's coming up uh, before the year ends, hopefully. But so that's what I mean as, as an example. So I crossed the Pacific and I didn't spend a dime, nothing, zero. I just worked. I paid in, in labor <laughs> and in cooking, which is a passion. So it wasn't even hard work. It wasn't even a job. It was no, a holiday, in fact. <laughs> yes, yes. A stunning holiday, let me add. <laughs> Superb, absolutely superb. I'm so delighted, really, to hear such a wonderful story of, as I said right at the beginning, you know, life is about light and darkness. And you had the courage, Eleanor, to grasp that light and for it to be that flashlight of hope and freedom. I think what an amazing honour that is. Absolutely. I'm grateful. I, I have to say, really, I'm grateful. And I feel very lucky because not everyone is able to, I don't know, to, to get up for some reasons. Or I don't know, I think I had an angel. I think my purpose was bigger. Um, I was just one of the lucky ones. Um, there's this movement, uh, not one more vet. Uh, I don't know if you know it with... Um, vet surgeons no i don't have you heard so if you see my profile picture on mm -hmm. facebook you will see the um not one more vet is basically a movement that's started off because still today the profession the veterinary profession is one of the ones that has the highest suicidal rate still today really um, I didn't know that. And I'm one of them. Yes, and, and I'm one of them. So I really feel that I owe that to my colleagues as well because only vets know what the pressure is. Uh, we don't make as much money as people think. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of studying to do. There's the CPD, which is studying after, like doctors, basically. But we don't get compensated. We do the extra hours, the emergencies. It's very, very stressful and a, a lot of pressure. And uh, and well, this this is how this movement came about to create awareness that this is a real thing. This is really happening. So if you have a bad day, you go to the vet, and for twenty pounds, you're insulting the vet, saying they're not good. Be careful with what you say because words are very, very powerful and vets have committed suicide because of this. 
and vet nurses as well, but vets especially. Um, so it, we have to really think twice when we come into a place and we're really angry and we want to, you know, take it out to that person in front of us. But we really have to be careful with these things. Um, and because I've lived it in person, I had people accusing me because I was called a bad vet because I didn't want to um, rescue or help this cat that was on the street. But the, that person did not want to pay for the bill. And I'm like, well, this is private practice. I, you know, I was I did not have any money. I was in big depth with the bank and they were accusing me of being a bad vet. Well, I I have to pay bills as well. You know, you go to a restaurant, you don't go out of the restaurant without paying. Why do you go to a vet and then not pay and then insult the vet saying you're a bad vet, you don't care about animals? You know what I mean? And it's it's tricky. It's this situation. Mm -hmm. It's tricky and it's and because we love animals and we have this I have to save the animal. It's very difficult to separate what's money, as in we have to make a living as well. And on the other hand is we do this because we love animals. It's very, very difficult to separate these two things. And mm -hmm. some people, I'm not going to say everyone, but I would be lying, but some people take advantage of that. And I'm just talking about my profession, but I know there's a lot of professions out there dealing with the same thing. And so it's a bit For of sure. being more conscious mm -hmm. and more i don't know i think we should be a bit more nice to each other more love loving and yes. understanding yeah yeah tolerant you name less judgmental and try to put yourself in the shoes of that other person or i don't know it's i, I can only hope and and wish um it would be such a better place you know <laughs> there's so many it's so true because yeah love is the answer and every time i talk it to is. people every time i do a show every time i meet people whatever country they're from every single person every single thing every single plant every single animal everything in creation has that one unity that one thread that binds us all and that is love yeah yeah absolutely and we're all here trying to survive that's you know and we're mm. all doing our best yeah that's, yeah that's what we're doing i had this idealistic view but i still um have this view eleanor and i i live my life by it and um, I know people say to me, you have rose colored glasses on. And I say, I don't care because the world is a whole lot nicer with them. And I remember Absolutely. saying, you know, as a child, the only reason we've come to earth is to love. And that's it. And that's how I looked at life. And I think I still do, actually, if I'm being really well, honest. Um, and well, people that's miserable are the ones who have not allowed themselves to love and to be loved for whatever circumstance yeah. it doesn't matter because people have suffered people suffer we are all suffering somehow in our own way but it doesn't matter we have to firstly love ourselves 
it starts with us and it ends with us. True. Yep. And on that note, I'm going to ask you a few little lines that just for the listeners out there that have inspired you, something to bring hope to people that it's helped you in your life through your darkest moments. Um, well, I, I did mention these before, but reach out would be one. Talk. If you're having problems with whatever, just talk it out. Don't leave it. Um, find your purpose. Find what inspires you, what burns you inside, because that's at the end is what, to me, what happiness is, is find, finding that th- thing that that the reason of of living mm. everybody has a reason to live the reason why we're here on this planet everybody has their own job to do uh, besides the love which is uh, what you mentioned and i think that's very important and at the end of the day it's basically that like why i want to save the planet i want to save it's love it's my love for and appreciation for everything that surrounds me it's the beauty and it's at the end of the day, is what you say. It's love. Um, I think those two things are for me the most important thing: is surround yourself with great energy, people that support you, love you, accept you, and find that thing that it's burning inside that you would love to do, and fight for it, and just grab it like there's no other thing, and just follow, follow it, follow your heart. Beautiful. You know what I was doing when you were talking? I was doing a little dance, a little cheer. I was thinking, yes, (laughs) this is the type of person. You are the type of person, Eleanor, the world needs more of to inspire others to do that. You should be very proud of yourself, I have to say. God, I'm I'm honoured. Thank you for your words. I don't know if I deserve those words, but thank you. Indeed you do. If I can help, that's the purpose. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we go very quickly, where can people find out, because we've said about your book, it's on Amazon. Um, What about your website? Where can people find out more about your work? Um, so right now the website I have got is Dr. Wild, uh, Dr. Eleanor Go Wild, uh, but I am in the process of changing a lot of things, but that would be one place they can reach out. Obviously I've got my Facebook, I've got my Instagram and they're all called the same thing. LinkedIn as well. So Dr. Eleanor Go Wild. So website, that would be the one. And I am in transition starting to change things um so it's not to confuse people i would just say dr eleanor go out in those three social media um, places Uh, and they can always reach out i i answer to uh, all the messages so um excellent so you're happy for people to contact you oh i would be happy definitely happy yes excellent excellent and i made a Oh, that's so kind of you. It's such a, oh, I'm in awe, really. 
and all the good work that you do. I think it's absolutely fabulous. And um, I'm so excited to have you on, really. Um, but before you go, I have to ask you, um, have you heard, I've had him on the show, um, who does similar work to you. He's not a vet, but he does incredible work with animals and lions and things. Uh, Dan Richardson. Oh, he rings a bell. Okay, I, I will. He does, yeah, he does amazing work. He he's been on the show. Absolutely amazing human being. So, I will send you some details, and maybe you two can connect because you have the same passion. Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah, I will. Yes, send you, absolutely. I'll send you a message um, afterwards, and you can connect because he's really like yourself, amazing. So it you never know. You never know. Um, where that could lead to but um, he does all the born free yes. and all of that um, and he's done all sorts of plights with lions and saving animals and I think fighting against poachers and all sorts of things exactly the same thing that you do well definitely we're going to get along that's for sure <laughs> definitely. I will give you the details um, afterwards but thank you once again Eleanor, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It was my pleasure for sure. Thank you. And do come back again and share with us your adventures and your stories as always. Anytime. Thank Aww. you for having me, Mimi. A, a pleasure. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Dr. Eleanor Obdebeck, what an inspirational lady. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure to be with you. I wish you beautiful days and beautiful moments. Until next time, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website www.miminovic.co.uk